Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 267. Today's episode is all about self-forgiveness and rewriting how you see yourself. When we can choose to be broken, that's actually when we can be broken open. Because if we think we're fine, if we think we're all good, if there's, you know, nothing to see here, please move along, there's no work you can do. And I think for me, what I've learned through this is, you know, the the act of, you know, forgiving yourself is actually learning, like knowing that your flaws and your brokenness actually make you who you are. And all the things that we do now, no matter where we are in life, have been coping mechanisms to get us to where we are. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. If this is your first time giving your mind a little love, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Mind love is a habit, and the more you give your mind that love and intention, the better you'll feel about yourself and your life. Plus, it's really a win-win because more subscribers means Mind Love attracts even more amazing guests to bring you their wisdom. So don't forget to subscribe. Today, I'd like to share a review from Sura June who says, this podcast is the best. If you're a person who wants to be conscious and work at being your best self, this podcast is for you. I've done a lot of work to let go of the things that no longer serve me and take my confidence back because of the topics that Melissa covers with her guests. I listen in the morning during my workouts or in the car. I also subscribe to her daily emails and it's the first thing I read in the morning. Keep it up, Melissa. You are an awesome human. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This review totally warmed my soul, lit up my week. I am so grateful for you. Thank you again. Are you too hard on yourself? Are you even aware that you are? What I've noticed is that often our thoughts are so habitual that we just think that that's the way it is, that we deserve our criticism, that our thoughts are true and that's why they're there, that feeling down on yourself is just a way of life. We don't even realize that the opposite is true, that we're doing the best we can with what we know at the time, that our thoughts are just habits that we have the potential to fully and deeply love ourselves in this moment. Whether or not we lose the weight or meet the goals or find a man or a woman, yet we base our self-image and our worth on all of these things that have nothing at all to do with it. When I was younger, I didn't even realize I was doing it. I also didn't realize how my expectations for myself would change depending on what was cool or who I was hanging out with or what my current status was. And it sounds juvenile. It sounds like something someone in their teens or 20s would do. But regardless of your age, do you ever find yourself comparing to someone else? 
Maybe you're scrolling Instagram and wishing your house was as nice or your waist was as thin or you could be as effortless on video like she can or have that thriving business like that guy. Or maybe you hold on to a comment someone said to you and you let it penetrate and suddenly you have this whole new insecurity to carry around. There are so many ways that we beat ourselves up. And like I said before, we often don't even realize that we're doing it. We just know that we don't feel confident enough to take the risk. Or we don't feel pretty enough to wear the dress. Or we don't feel good enough to ask for the raise or ask the girl for her number or buy ourselves the damn flowers. Well, guess what? Those behaviors or lack of behaviors are directly related to our self-talk. What we're willing or unwilling to do is the result of what our minds are telling us day in and day out. And this talk affects what we believe about ourselves, which shapes our realities and the way we experience the world. We often talk about rewiring our thoughts, but a key aspect that gets missed is forgiveness. Those thoughts come from somewhere. And most often we're holding on to something, like a belief or a memory that filters our reflection of self. So today we're learning to forgive ourselves so we can rewire our patterns for more positive outcomes. Our guest is Georgia Merch. She is Australia's leading expert in designing feedback cultures. So she's teaching us how to accept our flaws and handle feedback without losing yourself in self-criticism. Because forgiveness isn't just about accepting your flaws or your inadequacies, the things that you hide. It's understanding where they come from and rewriting how you see yourself so you can live your goals. She's also the author of Forgive Your Damn Self. So three key things we will learn are how to become more self-aware of your impact on yourself and others in the everyday moments, how to identify the things that trigger you and hold you back from learning and growing, and how to hold space to evolve as a person. Before we totally expand our minds, I want to invite you to wake up to the morning mind love. Every weekday morning, you just get a little inspiration to set your tone for the day and give you something positive to focus on. Think of it like a short note from your higher self. Plus, when you sign up, you get two free gifts, a super powerful 30-minute affirmation meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. And it's all completely free. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. And now let's welcome Georgia Merch to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Melissa. I'm wrapped to be here in one of my old hometowns too. I believe you're from L.A., Yes, I did move to a small mountain town called Big Bear a couple years ago. So I I go between now. <laughs> okay, gorgeous. So what inspired your latest work and focusing on self-forgiveness? Yeah, right. Big topic, hey. I my expertise, if you like, or passion over the last 10 years has been around the feedback space. And so I go into organizations and work with individuals to make sure that we have better conversations about the stuff that we need to. And one of the things that I realized through doing that is we've got a lot of content around how we give feedback, but what we're not so good at is how we receive it. And so that went on my sort of three-year research journey around the problems associated 
fascinated with how we receive feedback. And one of the things that kept coming up through the research is that the reason why we often respond to it poorly and push back on it for ourselves and also with other people is because we're so damn tough on ourselves. And that whole allowing ourselves to be human forgiveness piece is so significant. So that's kind of where it where it came to. And so the whole forgive your damn self is a really important part of the process of us being with ourselves but also being with others. Well, you started this latest project with a hypothesis that to make peace with our humanity, we need to drop our search for perfection. But that changed as you dove in. What did you end up landing on and why? Yeah, so that you're right. The, the hypothesis I thought is, you know, we're aiming for this unrealistic space of everything being perfect, me being perfect as a mum, as a leader, as a as a friend, et cetera. And one of the things that I realised through the research is that it's not our pursuit of perfection that's the problem. It's the fact that we don't allow ourselves to be fully flawed, to be fully, if you like, you know, broken you know, because there is no such thing as perfection. It's this kind of ridiculous notion that once I get there, then I'm going to be happy, but there then changes along the way. So, so yeah, that notion got pushed to the side very quickly. And I realized that it's, it's, it's allowing ourselves to be in all our colors, bright and dark, that actually is the secret. This episode or this topic comes at such a timely time for me because I actually just said in the last interview I did an hour ago that I'm in a really spiritual place these days and I've and whenever I'm in kind of that energy I notice all of these synchronicities and so I've been mm. in a big transition the last couple of years becoming a mom February of 2021 and now I'm pregnant again and still trying oh, to figure congrats. out thank you how to you know really be a business owner and be a mom and be a wife mm. and all of these other expectations I have on myself. And it's funny because if you would have asked me about self-forgiveness and have I gone down that route and have I, you know, really spent time on the topic, I would have said yes. And I would have thought that it was something that I moved through. But in reading your book, it just brought up so much for me. And this very morning I decided uh, I I had a, a therapy session. I I kind of go on and off with therapy, usually off, but um, <laughs> I, I uh, that's like me in online dating. Yeah, well, I do a lot of self work, and so honestly, a lot of times when I go to find a therapist, I'm like, okay, I already know this. I know what you're leading me towards, and it doesn't feel helpful. But there's certain times that I'm like, okay, you know what? I really need an outside perspective, and this was one of those times. And so I used BetterHelp, and I think I found the perfect person. But he asked me if I have. He asked me some questions, a couple of them that that hit home and it made me see when I was describing, okay, well, where are you? Um, first session, blah, blah, blah. And I started just saying, you know, I've just had trouble really getting myself to do the things that I know are important. And he's like, well, what did your typical day look like? And meanwhile, I'm outlining that I wake up at five to do meditation and yoga and all of this mm -hmm. stuff. And now I break down my day by hour. And so I have a task on each time. And it's, it's really, <laughs> I'm really not doing as bad as my mind is telling me that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But it's just this one thing. There's one particular thing that I keep putting off while I'm 
kind of being a badass handling everything else. Right. And I ended up, tears came to my eyes in the middle of the conversation because I'm like, you know what it is? My problem is not this one thing that I thought it was. It's that I'm beating myself up in every single area because I'm expecting myself to be full time and like eight different roles and it's impossible for me and I'm having trouble feeling like a failure in all of these areas when if I were to ask anyone that was witnessing me, I'd be excelling pretty well in all these areas. Mm -hmm. So why is it that I'm sitting here thinking that I'm a fraud and that I'm failing and that (laughs) Mm. I'm not a good mom, I'm not a good business owner, and it's just so interesting. Why do you think that we default to self-criticism when a simple shift of perspective can often show us how awesome we are? I have always been someone who's prioritized wellness. Well, at least what I understood about it at the time, which has definitely evolved. But now I live in a town where some of my conveniences just aren't as accessible as when I lived in LA. Then I found Aloe Moves and my whole experience changed. I've been an avid yogi for 16 years, but frankly, I am just underwhelmed by most online yoga. Their flows are either too easy or not varied enough. Well, Allo Moves has everything. Of course, they have an endless selection of beginner content, since that is the category most people fall into, but they even have advanced and yoga teacher-focused content. They are the only online platform that I can find that I can narrow down the time that I'm looking for precisely. Like, I have 38 minutes today. What you got? (laughs) They have something for every mood. Trying to get a good sweat? Try their award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, HIIT classes, or reformer Pilates workouts with or without weights. Or find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and even journaling for those quiet moments. And when it comes to sleep, it's just as important as fitness and nutrition. Ever since I watched The Art of Sleep on Allo Moves, I've been falling asleep faster and staying asleep longer. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Allo Moves. Go to allomoves.com now and use code MINDLOVE for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code MINDLOVE. allomoves.com code MINDLOVE. If there's one topic that keeps coming up in my women's circles, it's our hormones. Frankly, I think that between years of birth control or beauty products that mess with endocrine function, a lot of us are just out of whack. EstroControl is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. It has science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health, especially in women who suffer from PMS. The way EstroControl eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when the estrogen isn't processed well in the liver, women may start having PMS, spots on the skin, they get cravings, they feel low all of a sudden. EstroControl was created to help women feel like themselves all throughout the month because PMS can basically rob us of a week of our lives every month. Totally not fair. EstroControl is made specifically for women who are premenopausal, so it's perfect for women that haven't entered menopause yet. And in fact, it's amazing for perimenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can turn into a beast. I have been relearning myself postpartum. I just started my period again when my baby was 10 months and I forgot how wild these hormone changes can be. I wanted something to just maintain optimal hormone levels. 
and help with mild mood swings. And Esther Control is perfect for this. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com with promo code MINDLOVE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use promo code MINDLOVE for 15% off your first order. Why do you think that we default to self-criticism mm-hmm. when a simple shift of perspective can often show us how awesome we are? It's a good share and a good journey, like, you know, journey, the overused word, but a good journey that you're going on. Like being human is hard, right? And we are so damn tough on ourselves And, but as humans, we've also got this, and I'm sure you talk about this on a regular basis, we've got this innate negative bias that sits within us. And so we are wired to see gaps and we do that out of self-protection. So if there's something that needs to be fixed, addressed, or um, in order to maintain our own physical or psychological safety, we we see gaps, we see things negatively. So that's firstly how we're wired. But also why can't we accept who we are and actually just make peace with the whatever one thing you are procrastinating on, you know, instead of that becoming the big thing? It's, again, conditioning. It's nature and nurture. It's, you know, our parenting that told us we need to be amazing at everything or a lack of attention that we got in parenting. It's the schooling, where we bullied or where we the bully. You know, it's our spiritual upbringing, our relationships. And I think the thing too is... Like all we need to do now is open social media or watch TV to know that we should have less wrinkles, we should lose weight, we should be funnier, we should be stronger, we should be smarter, and the list goes on. So we're actually told all the time that we're not enough. So whether we're at work, whether, you know, you're in your situation where you're your own boss, Melissa, and and same for me, I've now got a a big team that we're growing. So um, what I tend to see naturally is the gaps. So the thing that gets in the way of us really being okay with that is blame. And it's not blame of others, although we are good at that, although I am good at that. It's the self-blame. Do you guys have, um, I know that she's been doing one of our Aussie legends, Celeste Barber, she's been doing a tour of the US recently. Do you follow her? I don't, but tell me more. So Celeste is awesome. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to follow her after this. But she started throwing rocks at the modeling industry, right? So with their perfect poses and their perfect bodies and all the pics that they would pose. And what she ended up doing was putting up, but it was back in 2015. I know she thought you're talking about yeah, she you is do? amazing. Awesome. Yes. Isn't she incredible? So she did this fun experiment to see what it would look like for the average person to focus to do a photograph of doing what rich, fabulous people do. And, you know, people love Celeste because she's real. So she has not got a perfect skinny mini body. When she posts on social media, she swears, she's a bit ocker. She's like, she's really real. And one of the reasons why she has become so popular is that she's not hiding herself. She's actually celebrating her wholeness, what's all the bits and bobs, all the good and bad. And it kind of following her also made me think that we are just not aware of how hard we are on ourselves. And my friend Peter Cook says that we are the worst judges of ourselves. And I reckon 
That's absolutely true. So last year he gave me, he's a monk, Peter Cook, so he ponders a lot. And he gave me this project of being 10 times kinder to myself. So I reckon, here's your homework, Melissa, and your listeners, for the next two weeks, if you can look at the project that you have is whenever you have self-talk to yourself, what does 10 times kinder look like? So what I started noticing is when I sent the wrong email, to somebody, I was like, damn, Georgia, you, why did you do that? You're so dumb. You should have known. Or when I yell at the kids, like, you're an idiot. You are such a crappy mother. Or when I forget content when I'm running a workshop, oh my God, that is because you are so stupid. And I started hearing the self talk that I've got and actually started going, okay, even if I don't believe what 10 times kind of looks like and whether it's true or not, I started noticing how tough I am on myself. And so the reason why we're so tam tough on ourselves is because we're not accepting our imperfection. And what I've learned through this whole research, and again, Celeste Barber is a great example of this, people aren't drawn to our perfection. They're actually drawn to people who accept their imperfections because it's so much easier to be around people that give themselves permission to be human. And and I just love that. And that's a space that I'm really learning to stand in. I love that too. I, it reminds me of one of the stories you told about Tyra Banks and how she, yeah. you know, she was criticized and and was mocked for gaining weight. And instead of losing weight she found people that wanted to work with her new image and I love that and one of the quotes in your book was that the aim wasn't perfection but distinction and since I read that I actually have been reframing my view on flaws because I've never really liked the word flaws it's one of those things where people have always said like own your flaws and I'm like but the moment you say flaws there's so many so much connotation with that that it's like Mm. I feel it almost there's got to be a lot of work done through it because it feels like you're faking it because it's like oh I'm I'm trying to own the things that everyone else looks at as bad is how I kind of view it. And so instead of flaws, I'm just looking at it as my distinctions. And something about that shifts the energy around it for me to where I'm like, like, because why is anything a flaw? Because some societal mm-hmm. standard has said that this is what perfect looks like. Like, that's all subjective. It's not real. It's an illusion. <laughs> so mm-hmm. why does anything need to be named outside of that rather than just being a distinction, this thing that sets me apart. Preach it, Melissa. (laughs) Preach it. (laughs) I love it. It, I mean, it was a good takeaway because I I really, I am a firm believer that the way that we voice things, uh, like what, what visual comes up in your mind? What do you feel in your body when you say this word or when you say this sentence or when you speak this thing about yourself or about the work that you're doing? What are you feeling? Because if you're trying to convince yourself to feel something else, it's going to be twice the work versus just sort of reframing it, maybe using a different word, Mm. using a different metaphor. Now, how does it feel? For me, it's easier to move through. Yeah. Again, it's that acceptance rather than pushback. I remember reading years ago, The The Art of War by Stephen Pressfield, and he talks about how resistance is the silent killer. So as soon as we resist a feeling or resist a concept or resist thinking, we are creating unnecessary tension because we just haven't learned to sit in it. And I really like that because 
what it helped me do was seeing how I'm creating unnecessary energy by creating pushback on things that already are. Like even if you look at the word floor, so the word floor, I in the end, because what you're saying is I, I didn't, I don't like the word flaws. And I can't say that I loved it either, but it's a, something that people can connect to. But even through the research, one of the ways to move through this feeling of I don't like it, this is uncomfortable, I'm uncomfortable, I'm not okay, is to be aware of what triggers us. Even the word trigger can trigger people, right? And so during the research of Flossom and now Forgive Your Damn Self, it was what if we got really good at actually identifying the things that we create resistance for, the things we push back against? Because if we don't know what we're pushing back against, how will we ever learn to move through to a more peaceful space or acceptance, if you like? And so there's a whole there's a whole process around whenever things are coming our way, whether it's feedback, whether it's words, or just feedback is is the world around us where I don't like the way that person's looking at me, or I don't like I don't even know this person, but I'm watching them on television and they're they're creating a reaction for me, this stress response. And now I'm like in fight or flight or freeze. And and so I'm already walls up. I'm already shutting down and I'm already choosing not to learn because this makes me uncomfortable. So having flaws is normal. Like, but it come, again, it comes back to that whole perfection thing. With you being on a spiritual journey, you're right. Like flaws is also an unhelpful word. But in this context, it helps us grab onto something that we go, oh, yes, I see that as my flaw. And that's part of the problem and why I can't move through things. That makes a lot of sense because even if I'm recognizing that, you know what, I could use a different word that mm-hmm. makes me feel better about something, what it might inherently do is cause me to not look at the things that I actually do see as my weaknesses and my flaws, which there are plenty of those. I still look in the mirror and I beat myself up. I still don't like the way my chin is crooked. I still don't like that I'm a little bit judgmental, you know, like mm-hmm. all of these things. Mm-hmm. And so, and those I would consider flaws because they definitely fit into the word and the energy that I think of them. And I have a resistance towards that. Whereas, there's a lot of things where I'm like, yeah, my other people might consider that a flaw, but that's just my distinction. And so there's a gap between that and and using the word that I have resistance to would help me close that gap a little bit. But I do also recognize that a lot of people, like I have a lot of self-awareness. I've been down this self-growth journey for years and years. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't always that I was able to... I identify where I was resisting. I probably would have argued against the fact that I was resisting, resisted the resistance, as you should say. (laughs) And so for people that are newer to this journey, where, what are your signs that you are in resistance when it just sort of creeps up on you when you're not expecting it? Yeah, great. So I think you mentioned this earlier on, like our body teaches us so much and when we're in resistance, let me even break it down and make it even more simple. It, like we're in stress. We're in a stress response because we're pushing back against something. So the normal day-to-day breathing, walking around, the birds are singing, you know, that's all lovely. 
we can't hear the birds now. So because something's making, creating discomfort for us, we might not know what that thing is, but we'll have physical reactions as we all know. Um, you know, our, our jaw might clench, our fists might, we might get sweaty palms, we might get the heartbeat. So, so that's physically we're getting signs that, that that's happening. But I think there's also two emotions that we, if we started looking for these things, we'll be able to notice more effectively when we are in that resistance. And the two things for me, I find are blame and denial. So let's just play with blame for a minute. Blame is where we blame others or ourselves for what's going on around us. So if I'm having a reaction to something and say it's around how I'm supposed to look, for example, yep, crooked chin could be, you know, whatever it may be, I might therefore go, well, the fault is of, you know, those people that are posting ideas around how our body should look and how we should be. And I'm also going to blame my mother because she told me that my face wasn't perfect. I'm also going to blame a couple of my friends because they keep talking about this all the time. So when we blame others or we blame ourselves for the way that we are, it breeds assassination. And it also breeds shame. So that's a really unhelpful place. And I love um, Cy Wakeman in her book, No Ego, says that um, blame is the ego's way of avoiding self-reflection. Blame is the ego's way of avoiding self-reflection. So when I'm blaming somebody else or myself, I don't get to learn and grow in that space. I stay in assassination. And the other the other emotional reaction, I reckon, is denial. Now, this is an interesting one, denial, because denial really breeds disconnection. So I'm disconnected to myself because I'm denying that something's going on at the moment or I'm denying responsibility. But here's the funny thing about denial. So I, I think you might not even admit that you're in it and you might not even be able to name it because it can often be a blind spot, but deep down you can feel like something just doesn't feel right. So I used to get feedback for years that um, I'm intimidating. And and I used to actually, to be honest, Melissa, I get really annoyed about this feedback because I personally would would take responsibility for making sure that when I meet people and when I'm working with people that you know I'm present I'm with them I'm 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 making an effort and so I would make an effort all the time but I started getting this feedback over and over again and then I got into this leadership role where I got it again I was like right I am not that person and then in the end I realized yeah actually I am. I do do a bit of passive aggressive when I'm <laughs> not getting things my way. And I do actually know how to make others feel small. It's one of the gifts that my dad gave me, she says, with sarcasm and trying not to be blamey. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and and it was true, but I didn't want to own it. And it's kind of like denial is this thing where my, my mate James Leighton always talks about denial. He says that it's it's like walking around with a poo on your shoe thinking it's somebody else's <laughs> and I love that. So, so those two spaces of blame and denial, whenever we're in that, we're really going to find it hard to connect to ourselves. We're really going to find it easy to resist and if we keep ignoring things that are coming our way, 
the crazy thing about life is that it's just going to keep teaching us the same lesson over and over and over again until we stop pushing back. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. And get this, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? Two words, living intentionally. We have to take full responsibility for every area of our lives, including our health, which also includes our air. And that's why I love my air doctor. As a reminder, when you support my sponsors, you also support the show. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants, so your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants like allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, spores, and even bacteria and viruses. I live in the mountains, and our air is pretty great. When I drive home, I can witness myself rising above the cloud of pollution that covers the rest of Southern California. But I know that even in the mountains, my home traps in the contaminants that my family brings inside. Plus, just sleeping one night with my air doctor, I could actually feel the difference. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe-easy money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to Air Doctor Pro and use promo code MIND, and depending on the model, you'll get up to $300 off. You're saving up to $300. Lock the special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code MIND. That's promo code M-I-N-D. Those were such good examples. And what's interesting about the first one around blame is so often our blame can feel so justified. Right. An example that comes up, I, I love the one that you used uh, with my crooked chin and the, and the uh, it's like, well, yeah, because I've used that before. It's one of the ways that I've helped myself move through some of my physical self-criticism where it's just like, you know what? This is society's push, blah, blah, blah. They're the ones that created this. Maybe I wouldn't have had an eating disorder. Maybe all these women wouldn't have Mm. blah, blah, blah if this wouldn't have happened. But that takes the focus off of myself. And yes, those things might have some truth in it. And that's the thing that I think we get caught up in is just because we can convince ourselves that those are true and just because we can convince everybody else that that holds truth too, what we're blocking is our avenue for growth and learning and understanding and to see ourselves from a different perspective because we just took that focus off of us. There's a movie that's trending on Netflix right now, The Bling Ring. I don't know if that's the full name of it. No, I haven't seen it. Well, I love a good scam story for some reason. (laughs) And uh, back in the day, I was following this story as it played out. And it's a group of teenage kids that grew up in the Valley of LA. So oftentimes those people will end up going to school with some celebrities' kids or some super wealthy kids or whatever, but they're just on the outskirts of Hollywood, Bel Air, Circle type thing. I know the Valley well. I used to work in there. Yeah, well... These kids ended up robbing a bunch of celebrities' houses and it like started a little bit smaller and it moved its way up and they ended up getting caught. Uh, But 
they didn't get in nearly as much trouble as people thought they should. Well, they're now revisiting this story and interviewing the people that did these crimes and getting their perspective on it now and getting the like the deeper story as they decide to tell it. But it's funny watching it because you can just see this, well, one of the kids... Nick seems to take ownership of it, but he's almost like proud. Like he thinks he like skirted the system. But this other chick, Alexis, is like basically just like, well, why are we looking at this when we should be looking at the society that create that made this made us need to do this in the first place to be cool? And I'm like, you know, that can be a discussion. But that's not even your place to have the discussion because you're just making yourself look terrible right now. <laughs> like, do a little self-reflection. You still went and robbed a bunch of houses. <laughs> right? It wasn't a good look. <laughs> yeah, right. I can I can imagine. It's because for me, one of the things that I heard in that when you're talking is also the should. Damn it, you're right. Because I was using it as a teaching point <laughs> for an example, but it's still creating this illusion of a reality of the way that things should be, which is emboldening the idea that perfectionism exists. Why is it so much easier to see this stuff in other people? Right? They shouldn't, I should, all that sort of stuff. And many of us, what I call should all over ourselves and should all over other people. So you shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. And that becomes a place where, again, we get trapped. So if we look at, again, the perp, the, the content in Forgive Your Damn Self, it's really around one of the things that can get in the way of us actually making peace with who we are is the land of the shoulds. So and living a life, life of whether it's obligation or how other people said we should live. So I shouldn't say that. I should work harder. I should be smarter. I should have seen that coming. I should have reacted differently. I should act in a certain way. And if we start listening to our shoulds, we will start finding a little pot of gold around why we are wired the way we are. Because we've got these belief systems that tell us what we should be doing or what other people should be doing in order to make our life better. Does that make sense? Yes. I did an episode earlier this year on dropping the shoulds and what I found is that I'm actually pretty good at it, at catching it when I do it for myself where when I notice that I'm using that word, I'll reframe it, I will change the energy around it and it's fairly easy. What's not so easy is not shooting over other people. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Why is that? Yeah. It, it reminds well, that, me of what you talk about with projection. Yeah. Yeah, I think, again, one of the spaces that I have learned through this but also life and like you, many years of therapy, so in doing the work, is that when we are really critical of others, we're often it's because we're so critical of ourselves and the and and I'll I'll give you an example so just recently I've had a situation where somebody who I am in who I is like a colleague we we've, we've got a sort of a mentoring group going on and this person sent an email that they're not able to come to a group, like a group session with all of us, but we all planned it and we planned it together and this person's now got other work that they're going to go to. And what they did was responded with an email saying, 
I wasn't aware of the starting time. I'm not able to come to this. My team's booked a time in. That's just the way it is. No, this person didn't say that's just the way it is. That's what I heard. That's just the way it is. There's nothing I can do. Bad luck. You guys have to work around me. And I really had a reaction to this. I was really like, like, how rude. Like, don't don't you see that, that this is our time together and we really want to value each other's time? And it was stewing on me, this frustration. And, and then I was watching myself going, why am I so frustrated by this sort of passive-aggressive response? And a few days later, after I just allowed the lesson to sink in, what I realised is I am still disappointed and frustrated about the passive-aggressive components of myself that still come to play. And so what we learn through projection is often when we are seeing things in others that we don't like, what we're and we're quite revved up about it or we're noticing that we can get revved up about it, it's because it's parts of ourselves that we still haven't made peace with yet. And I'm not saying I want to walk around going, well, I'm passive aggressive now and I'm really at peace with that and you all need to work around me. What I'm saying is once I again resist the fact, yes, I am that and I've still got work to do. And now it's actually going to be easier for me to go and forgive the other person to go, yeah, I know why you're doing that because I still do it myself. So projection isn't just when I'm projecting a way of doing things onto others. It's when I'm experiencing others and the things about them that I don't like, that I have the opportunity to learn about myself. Yeah, I I loved a quote that you used that uh, you say that a big part of understanding ourselves is to learn how we connect and react to things around us. And they all show us different glimmers or facets. And I am a big fan of Byron Katie's work. And one of the things that she says, yes, turn it around. And there's just this one example that sits so deeply with me because she was like coaching somebody through something that has been a constant struggle in my adulthood. And It was this guy who's on his spiritual journey and his parents are religious and he was saying something like, you know, they just want me to be somebody that I'm not and they can't accept me for who I am, blah, blah, blah. And she made him rewrite his whole statement turned around and he said, and it's like, I can't accept them for what they are. I expect them to be something that they're not. And, and Again, it's so easy to justify because he felt like they were judging them. But in his reaction to it, he was judging them right back. And you don't really see it because you think it starts somewhere. So that's where the flame begins. And that's the only way to put it out. But Mm. it's like that fire has caught you. And now you have to put it out in yourself before you can even think about having that conversation. (laughs) But by the time you do, maybe you realize that wasn't as easy as I thought it was. I had more blind spots than I thought I did. And when I look deeper at my intention, his intention was he just wanted to be closer to his parents. And it's likely that that was their exact same intention as well. It's just, it's so easy to see the, what we consider the flaws or these these sticking points in other people, but it's so much harder to just turn it around on ourselves. Really hard. Yeah. And I think the reason why it's often hard to turn it around and and go, oh yeah, that is me, is, and you would know this to be true, like actually choosing to go through that journey of transforming and changing and accepting all of who you are requires a huge amount of courage. It's not easy for people to accept the truth of, yeah, I am 
perfectly imperfect. And I do do those things. And oh my goodness, I did create that problem. So that's a really uncomfortable space to sit in. But what I'm learning is that Yes, we created those things, but that doesn't mean, so if I caused something to be broken, it doesn't mean I am broken. So if what I did was a mistake, it doesn't mean I'm a mistake. And in order to get to the space where we're taking responsibility for the impact that we're having on other people, but also on ourselves is requires an element of discomfort to know that about ourselves. And Like even if you think about like transformation as a concept and we hear this word overplayed all the time, but the word itself is really significant. Like you look at the metamorphosis that a butterfly goes through in order to become a butterfly. One of the really fascinating things about like, so the moth, you know, weaves itself into a cocoon in order for it to turn into a butterfly. Do you know what it's got to do? It's going to go into a cocoon. (laughs) It's going to go into a cocoon and it turns into this gooey sludge. Oh. And what it ends up doing is, (laughs) Lucy, she's like, where is Georgia taking me? It ends up eating itself. Oh. But it keeps, yeah, right? But it keeps the components that is necessary for its growth, like its eyes and its heart and those components that it needs to transform into a butterfly. But all the bits that it doesn't need, eats it and then eventually grows into a butterfly. And for me, it's a bit like the growth of ourselves. So in order for us to move into self-acceptance, self-awareness, all those sort of spaces, we need to kind of get comfortable with discomfort and see the bits of ourselves that don't serve us and those people around us and go through a process of chewing up what's true and chucking out that that isn't to move into a more peaceful space. Have I got there yet? No. Am I on the journey forever? Yes. Will I stuff it up along the way? Completely. But what I'm learning is it's much easier to accept the things that I'm not good at than to push back against them. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. 
That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. Man, my second grade teacher made the whole butterfly transformation seem a lot more beautiful than the reality (laughs) of it is. But I guess that's what growth is like, where we think it's going to be this beautiful journey where it's all sunshine and butterflies, (laughs) I suppose. But you're eating yourself at the same time. Like, like you, it does take courage because when you go down that, that, path of committing to your growth and committing to your forgiveness, chances are you're going to dig up things that that are painful for you to see in yourself. Yeah. And there, it's going to require an, a layer of forgiveness that you're not even ready for yet, but that's the work. You know, we always think we're kind of approaching something and then we realize, oh, there are so many more layers to this than I expected. And that was definitely my experience. It's like I went through trauma and I thought that my path was going to be really learning to forgive all of the people that were involved in my downfall. And what came out of it was me realizing how skewed my view of myself was. And of course, I didn't see it as skewed back then. I didn't even see the way that I saw myself. I just know how I felt. Mm And so if you would have asked me at age 15 or 17 or 21, if I loved myself, I would have said, yeah, like there were things about myself I was proud of. I felt smart. I felt witty. I had friends. But when I really got down to it, what I realized was that what I saw even better were all of the ways that I was flawed. And I didn't realize how much that was a filter on everything that I experienced, on my criticisms to everyone around me, on my view of life, the pessimistic view of of things, of relationships. And so that healing journey was so much deeper than I ever expected it to and to be. And if I am honest with myself, I'm still very much in it. I still peel back layers. Like I told you just this morning, I was having a conversation and I ended up breaking down because I saw the ways I was still beating myself up to this day. And and it was just this morning. So it was this glimpse of like, wow, you need to go back to the beginning and do this work over again. Because that's the other lesson that I've learned is so often I think it's going to be this journey with a beginning and an end, like you said, but I might have kind of completed one little cycle of it, but it's always going to come back up because that's how we're wired. Isn't that annoying? <laughs> like really, like I, I've just, uh, as you're speaking, I'm, you know, like we are a roller coaster of growth, and whether that roller coaster goes up and down with an upward trend or up and down with a downward trend, has so much to do with how we process what's happening to us. And I think about for the one of the keys that I think is really significant and Byron Katie is great at this, is helping us recognising where we're telling ourselves a story. So often the truth in situations isn't actually that we don't see things 
we see our truth, but it's not necessarily true. So most of the time we're reacting to a story that we've got attached to it or meaning that we're making out of it. And if I think about even in the most simple form as when we get feedback or data or information from other people, before I just got back from holidays about two weeks ago and when I came back, this is self-confession time, my GM, Angie, general manager, she gave me feedback that before I went on holidays that I was being a little bit too much candid and not enough kind. (laughs) So when I get in task mode, I can get short. I can get very focused on what are we doing? How are we doing it? Let's get through this. And when I'm stressed, this isn't an awesome, you know, combination. And so when Angie gave me the feedback that I was so direct that it actually could, it, it was a little bit damaging and it and not just for her but for one of the other team members, I had this gunk in my guts. I was like, no, I've still got so much work to do. But I had this choice in that moment around how I received Angie's feedback. So I, and I, you know, it was like, one of the choices was I can tell myself that I'm a terrible leader and that I'm not good enough. And when I'm somebody who runs leadership programs, talk about imposter syndrome, that could be high. I could tell myself that Angie's being too sensitive and that she needs to toughen up and she's got to support me when I'm stressed. Or I could tell myself that I'm being challenged to level up. And thank goodness that she kind of cares enough about me to give me the feedback and so what I'm and and what did I tell myself all those three things completely. So what I'm learning often is the truth of the situation was when I was away I you know I had said can you get this done I don't care how we do it can we do it in these time frames. I came back from holidays she gave me the feedback that that was too short and can come across as really abrasive and rude. That was true. That was the truth. All the other stuff around it is the story that I make. And I think when we start seeing the stories that we make around stuff that's happening, so we have facts and then we turn it into something, that's when that's when the problems start. And if we attach uh, significance to those stories and make those stories true, that's where things become problematic, not just for us in terms of how we process life, but for how we do life with other people around us. I love that. There's something about feedback from others, especially negative feedback that just sticks in. Like they, I learned when I was like 12 that one piece of negative feedback takes like a hundred pieces of positive feedback to counteract if we're not intentional. I really love the Seth Godin quote, uh, Seth Godin quote that you pulled out uh, in your book that said one piece of feedback is not the source of truth. And I wrote mm-hmm. it down because I I can feel deeply into negative feedback. And one of the the tools or the tools for transformation that you talked about was about coming up with three lies that aren't serving you. So I did that little exercise after my therapy session this morning. And the ones that I came up with was the lies that I was telling myself is that there's a perfect way to parent. I tend to get really into the research. And then if I can't keep up on it, like I turn on a YouTube video for my son, I'm just like, well, you're horrible. You're ruining his brain, <laughs> you know, all these things. And, and, uh, or like when I make him an easier meal than like my home cooked stuff, I'm just like, oh, he's going to die soon. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like I go dark quick. Yeah. And then the other one is, uh, my, 
output and my income is related to my worthiness. And that's something I've been trying to untangle for a really long time because, you know, going slower in some of my goals as a new mom has been just difficult for me um, because I'm used to a certain standard of excellence that I've created in my self-image and I can't live up to it right now. And so I've been really working on that because I know, my soul knows that that has nothing to do with my inherent worthiness, but my mind says otherwise. And then the last one that I has only been popping up in the last month, and there were some triggers from it, uh, something mean somebody said to me in an argument, and uh, I could cry thinking about it, but it's one of those that was so deep that I did not realize I was telling myself this, but I felt broken. And I think I've been through a lot in my 20s. And a lot of my journey of getting to this place as a host of Mind Love has been working on healing those things one by Mm -hmm. one. But there's a small part of me when I'm hit by an old trigger or when I, you know, get a mean comment or when I feel like I have a pull towards something that that I don't want. I I do feel broken um, at certain points. It comes up when I have to be extra intentional about food because of my old bulimia patterns. It comes up yeah. with uh, my old relationship issues and, and certain things that I still have to work on because of relationships I involved myself in in the past. And I had done so much work on that one. And I'm so proud of who I am consciously, but there's still those subconscious things that are rooted in there. And the fact that it can tear me up when I think about it shows me that there's still work to be done there. So those are the three that I'm working on. But I will say that 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 tool that you gave of coming up with those three lies and just being honest with yourself and seeing them on paper or however you bring them to the surface, it was a really powerful one for me. Yeah, I love how you've really made the most of thinking about that and labelling them as well. You know, it's funny this whole concept of brokenness and even the word broken, most of us don't want to associate with that. And I think when we can choose to be broken, that's actually when we can be broken open because if we think we're fine if we think we're all good, if there's, you know, nothing to see here, please move along, there's no work you can do. And I think for me what I've learned through this is, you know, the the act of, you know, forgiving yourself is actually learning to be flawsome, like knowing that your flaws and your brokenness actually make you who you are And all the things that we do now, no matter where we are in life, have been coping mechanisms to get us to where we are. So if we're an over-preparer or if we need to dot all the I's and cross all the T's, it's because whatever happened to us during our, you know, our life in the past, that got us, that was a coping mechanism that got us to where we needed to be. If part of our coping mechanism because of whatever we experienced meant that we actually go into protection mode and we deny things to be true, that's because it was part of a coping mechanism that got us to where we are today. So I think a lot of the time, for me, it's reframing that my brokenness was actually just coping mechanisms that got me to where I am today. And I want to honour those 
coping mechanisms. I want to thank them for getting me to where I am today. And I want to see them and name them, whether for me it's the passive aggressive stuff or whether it's my um, just letting myself be flawed, letting myself forget stuff, letting myself um, not be perfect in those moments and know that not letting myself means that, yeah, I am still a little bit broken because I haven't made peace with it all. And that's okay. So I think honouring the patterns that we have that served us to now and seeing them and playing with them and just allowing ourselves to be broken is actually really important. One of the things that I found through um, the research is this concept called the pratfall effect. Have you heard of that? Yes. I have. I'll let you tell about it. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So Elliot Aronson back in the 60s actually described the pratfall effect as like when you have a stupid or a humiliating action, like, you know, when you fall on your backside in the middle of the street or you get tongue tied or you forget what you're saying or whatever it happens, is that when, when we do this, our appeal to others actually increases So this is assuming we've got some level of credibility in the first place. So you're actually considered more likable when you make a mistake or in Australian terms, a blunder. That's Australian. We love a bit of a blunder. And so what he did through his studies was he proved that when people make mistakes, as again, as long as they've got some level of credibility, that's actually where we feel closer to them because we feel more sympathy towards them and we get to see their human side. And again, it's this reminder to myself and hopefully to everybody that's listening, we are not drawn to people for their perfection. We're drawn to people because of their acceptance of their imperfection. And if that word is brokenness or that word is flawed or whatever it may be, we are drawn to you because of that if you own it and make peace with it and acknowledge it. It's like William Hung. I don't know if you know who that is. It was from like 20 years ago on the American Idol, but I feel like he was the original pratfall effect. He was just this really endearing Asian guy who went on and he was horrible at singing, but he skyrocketed to fame after that. And he always shows up at all the podcasting conferences. So I've met yeah. him in person, but people still love him from mistakes he made or this blunder. It doesn't sound as good when I say blunder. So I'm going to start <laughs> saying it blunder. <laughs> blunder from like 20 years ago. But I love what you said about the accepting or being okay with being broken. It's another one of those words where it's like, it doesn't need to hold the connotation that we have. Like, yeah, like starting from perfection is no fun at all. Like I'm so sick of seeing Instagram models. You know what I mean? Like I would so much rather see somebody like Celeste that's just sort of making fun of it all or just being real. That's what I love. Mel Robbins on Instagram. She doesn't put makeup on. She just talks and she says something profound. And like, I love following her because it, it reminds me that People are human and this like curated feed that we tend to see, not placing blame because I'm aware of that now, but recognizing things in our, the effect that things in our society, that what's normal in our society, how it might affect us so that we can navigate those things. But I'm reminded when you talked about the brokenness and like, it's such an opportunity to put yourself back together or however you want to visualize that of like piecing yourself together in a way that 
maybe feels more normal than when you started out, maybe feels more authentic, more true to you than whatever vision that you held for your perfection in the beginning. And that's so much more beautiful. It's the, uh, you used a different word in your book, the Japanese art of, I thought it was called kintsugi or something like that, but what was the name of it where they piece the broken? The gold mending, so kinzuroi. Yes. So it literally means gold mending. So it's, so in Japan they have this process of repairing broken objects. So if your favourite glass or your favourite plate breaks, so they mend them, put them back together with gold. So instead of throwing objects away, they're beautified. And what they recognise through that process is that they value the brokenness as part of the process of making that piece beautiful. So they don't hide the fact that it's broken. They acknowledge it and in a way highlight it. So why can't we do the same? It's just such a great metaphor for all of it. And and yeah, the before and afters of those pieces are basic to gorgeous. (laughs) So we have the chance to move from basic to gorgeous or just... The thing is, is that I, when I lived in LA, I tried, I did all the things for years. I had hair extensions, eyelash extensions. I got a boob job at some point, which is, I regret one of the only things I consider a regret, but really a learning thing. And (laughs) one day we'll take them out, but I did all the things and I am so much happier discovering who I'm supposed to be rather than trying to conform to other people's ideals. And so thank you for bringing this topic to our show. There's one more quote that you said in your book that I just feel like is so good to end with because you said that the battle in our heads will continue until we move to a place of forgiveness. And so if you feel yourself battling in your head over many of the things, there's so many areas that we are hard on ourselves, then that's the work to be done. And so I see that as an opportunity rather than oh man, another thing I need to work on. It's like, oh, another thing I'd get to discover. So for listeners that are interested in learning more about you and your book, where's the best place for them to connect? So they can connect with me. I have my own website, georgiamerch.com. So you will find all your little goodies in there and you can even download components um, of other books that are for free as well. So yeah, come and come and find me. Come and join my blogs. All the links for this episode are at mindlove.com slash 267. Your challenge for this week is a combination of two of the things that we learned in this episode. The first thing that you're going to focus on is coming up with three lies that aren't serving you. So remember, I laid out mine that there's a perfect way to parent, that my output and my income are related to my worthiness, and that I am broken. Once you bring awareness to that, then there's the work to be done. And so the other learning lesson that we learned in this was trying to come at something 10x kinder. So once you come up with those three lies, the 10x kinder rule can help you reframe them, rewrite your beliefs to be something that will actually serve you. And there's no wrong way to rewrite these as long as it is serving you. So I'm going to share with you the three lies that I shared earlier and how I rewrote them because I rewrote them each very differently depending on what I need around each lie. The simplest one is my output and my income is related to my worthiness. 
all I rewrote that as is I am worthy just as I am. Something that I'm constantly reminding myself. It's something that I deeply believe in certain mind spaces and I don't believe at all in others. So I consider it an affirmation that I write down sometimes in my morning journal that I would like to be present with me at all times. So that one was simple. The next one, which was the first lie that I originally wrote down, is that there's a perfect way to parent. This one I got a little bit more detailed because I felt that I needed the details in order to really believe it. (laughs) So I rewrote it as my drive to research every new venture, including parenting, is one of the things that makes me an excellent parent. And I rewrote it this way because I tend to focus on all of the nuances, all of the specifics. Like I need to do this this way, buy this kind of food, limit screen time to this amount, whatever it is. But instead of convincing myself that there's not a right way, I am focusing on the strength in myself for that one. So I do consider my drive to research and be good at things what makes me excel at things. And so, yes, I'm not going to hit the mark of this idealized, perfect vision of a parent. However, just my drive to learn is going to make me the best parent that I can be. So that's how I rewrote that one. And the last one is I am broken. And the way I rewrote this is my brokenness is the root of my expansion. And I mold on this one for a while because Like I said, this one kind of hits me unexpectedly. Consciously, I do not believe that I am broken, but there are subconscious parts of myself. There are wounds that will still make themselves known. And there have been things that have been said to me at different times that pokes that wound. And so looking at it the way we looked at it in today's episode, where we considered the vase that's broken and then mended back together with pieces of gold. That's a really powerful visual for me and visuals really help me grow. It helps me understand things in a new way. And so to look at myself as being broken open and the only way that I can expand is to break open the limited vision of myself that is really, really helpful for me. So you can see that I rewrote these in completely different ways. One of them got really specific to convince myself. One of them was just an affirmation that I know I need to hear. And then another one is creates a visual that helps me to believe something. And so what works for you? And if you need help rewriting some of your lies, reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. I would absolutely love to hear from you. And if you're really bold, maybe share it on your Instagram story and tag mindlovemelissa and mindlovepodcast. I will share anything that other people share. If you'd like to support Mind Love, the best way to do that is by joining Mind Love Premium at mindlove.com premium. You get early release, ad-free listening, extra episodes, and even meditations that sometimes accompany these episodes. So that's at mindlove.com premium. You can find all of my sponsors at mindlove.com sponsors. I love them all. In this episode, I mentioned BetterHelp. I absolutely love BetterHelp because I have a unique relationship with therapy. So I am not the kind who finds a therapist and sticks with them for years. 
I have had times where I've disliked therapy, where I've thought that people couldn't help me, and I've even found BetterHelp therapists that I've thought that exact same thing with. Only the difference is, is that I can just click a button that says select a new therapist. And so I actually scrolled through over 50 different therapists and read their descriptions. And what I landed on for this particular need is I was looking for somebody who has coaching experience, which I found. And so, I have basically an executive coach therapist who's helping me work through some of my current blockages and it's awesome. Earlier this year, or maybe it was last year, I found somebody that helped me dive into a wound that I <laughs> found again, popped up unexpectedly and I worked with him for a couple of weeks and felt that the work was done and then I ended my time with him. And so BetterHelp is really, really awesome for that and because BetterHelp is one of the sponsors that I absolutely love. I have a link for you to get a discount. That's betterhelp.com slash mindlove. And you can find all of my other sponsors at mindlove.com slash sponsors. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with mindlove. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 